Hey, happy Tove Tuesday! But today isn't just a regular Tove Tuesday, no! Today is February 14th, Valentine's Day! When the whole world, I think it's the whole world, I should Google that. Maybe it's an American holiday, but I'll say it that way. Where the whole world celebrates love. Usually it's romantic love, but I want to celebrate love today. Wherever you are, whoever you are, you are loved. You are, man, you're important, you matter, you are Tove. Here at Find Your Tove, we know that if you don't live your Tove, part of creation is left undone. And so you are loved because you are uniquely created. Oh, I'm glad you are part of this world and I'm sending my love to you today. So celebrate that a little bit. Also, I get up way too early tomorrow, get on a plane, and go out to Phoenix, Arizona for the Best Practices Conference. I know that some of you are going to be there. I will be talking on Friday at 9.30 in room 16. If you're there, stop by and say hi. The theme of my talk is We Heart Pirates. I went ahead and put a heart emoji right on the the script, so that's kind of cool. We're looking at that pirate poem, The Sea Say Separate, chiastic poem that opens up Genesis. And so that's what we'll be doing there in Phoenix, Arizona. Today, on this podcast, though, we're continuing that aligned theme where we remember the Shema. That's, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and strength. That's what Jesus quoted when he was asked, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Because thousands of years after it was written, people thought about thinking, they thought about the mind. Jesus added mind because the point, I shouldn't say the point, there's so many points of the Shema. There's so many points of the greatest commandment. It's layered like all truth is. One of the points is that we need to be unified. We need to be one. Not just we as a nation, not just we as a world, not just we as a church or a tribe, but even we as in each of us individually. Our whole self, our heart, soul, strength, and mind needs to be aligned. We need to be heading the same direction within us. So often we're fragmented. Our heart, our will wants to go one direction, and our soul, the depth of emotion, is pulled pulling us in a different direction, and our mind is going in yet a different direction. Are you with me? One of the tools that we found here at Find Your Tove that helps people align is what we call the four looks. Look down, where you look and ask that question, where am I? What is? Where am I physically? Where am I emotionally? Where's my heart, soul, strength, and mind? Then today, episode 27 of the Find Your Tove podcast is called Look Back, where we ask that question, what happened? 
I should tell you, originally, like, if you pick up the Find Your Tove sketchbook, the four looks fall under the chapter, the movement. I should back up a little. There are seven movements, seven key things. There's see, say, separate. Those are the three major movements of Find Your Tove. We added a few other ones because they lean on each other. This is movement four, Sabbath. If you don't Sabbath, you won't see. So many people, they try to see their tove, they try to sense their tove, but they are going so very busy, they don't hear it, they don't see it, they don't sense their tove. They forget the way they're uniquely made, and so you've got to Sabbath if you want to see. The four looks were created for Sabbath because here's how it works. If you look down on Friday, the night before you're entering Sabbath, you go, where am I physically, emotionally, spiritually, and you're exhausted? A key is to look back and go, how'd I get here? What happened? Why am I so exhausted? Let me give you two examples One time, I looked down because I was exhausted and I realized at that point I was working on some school stuff and so I had to be up crazy early. I was getting up at 3.30 every morning. I'd get up, I'd go to the gym, I'd shower. By 5 a.m., I was sitting at a table in Starbucks writing and I'd do that until 7 or 8 a.m. and then I'd go into the office and I'd work all day. This was fine as long as I was in bed at 8 o'clock every night. If I'd push it until 9 or 10 or 11, I was exhausted, totally exhausted because of lack of sleep. So when I looked down and saw I was exhausted and looked back, realizing I only got four or five hours of sleep every night, then when I looked onward, Sabbath rest looked different that day. I am not suggesting that schedule in any way, shape, or form. It actually has had some really bad health effects. And so make sure you're getting good, restful sleep. The point I'm trying to make here is when you look down and you see something, when you can answer what is, for example, I'm exhausted, you look back to figure out how you got there. There was another time I looked down and I was exhausted and I looked back and I realized the reason I was exhausted was because in that season, for a couple weeks, I had been in meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. From the time I got up, I went to work and I was in meeting after meeting after meeting. When I wasn't in a meeting, I was sitting in a chair staring at a computer. Oh, I was exhausted for the exact opposite reason. I had not done any exercise for like two, three weeks, and I was drained. That day, when I looked down and then looked back, Sabbath meant going for a long, relaxing run. I know that's it's different for every person. The point is these four looks help us Sabbath, look down, look back, look up, and look onward. If you want to see, you've got to Sabbath. And if you need some help Sabbathing, go on over to findyourtove.com and under the coaching, we're doing 
March 2nd, 9th, 16th, and 23rd at 6 p.m. Central, we're doing a four-week coaching on Sabbath where we can give you a few more hints. We can walk with you through these four looks and help you integrate them in your life because if you want to see, you've got to Sabbath. And see is that first step in the treasure map, the pirate poem, the Genesis 1 chiasm where God saw the light was tove. Then he said, and then he separated. That's always the pattern. That's what we're talking about in Phoenix. But if you're struggling to see, you've got to Sabbath. And the four looks will help you through that. So today, the look we're doing is look back. Ask that question, what happened? Hopefully, you listened a couple, maybe even three episodes ago, and you heard me encourage you to look down daily, to daily ask those questions. Where's my heart? Where's my soul? Where's my strength? Where's my mind? What do I want? How am I doing emotionally? How am I utilizing resources? What am I thinking about? I encourage people to do that because it's a lot easier to look back when we've captured our look down daily. Malcolm Gladwell, he's a writer and he has a podcast called Revisionist History. He did an amazing episode. Actually, it was two episodes on our memory and how our memory works. One of them was a study. They knew that people's memory had changed over time. And the study was formulated where they wanted a big event to happen. And then they'd have college students write down their memory of the event. They wanted to do this as close to the event as humanly possible. And then I think it was a year later, they sent out the same set of questions. I don't recall how many it was, but it was basic questions. What happened? Where were you? Who was with you? They sent out that same list a year later, three years later, and five years later. The study had been designed, but they wanted a big enough sample that they could do a really good academic study. And then 9-11 happened. That was a huge American tragedy. These academics took that moment and did their study. They asked that question, where were you when you found out about the Twin Towers? Who told you? People wrote down their answers. And what was amazing is a year, three years, five years later, people's memory actually changed. They misremembered later somebody really important, somebody they had a close, intimate relationship with, telling them planes had flown into buildings, telling them about that tragedy. They had in people's own writing the closest memory possible a few weeks after that tragedy had happened, writing down who told you, where were you. Five years later, they had reconstructed the memory altogether. So it's really easy, especially if it's an emotionally charged thing, for us to reconstruct the memory. That's why I encourage you capture often, capture daily, 
This is why journaling is so important. When you look down at the end of the week, at the end of every couple weeks, read through those and look back and ask the question, what happened? What we're doing here is we're looking for patterns. We're looking for habits. We're looking for ruts. A good groove is amazing, but a rut we get stuck in. When we look back, our goal, well, our goal is that Mark 115 Kairos that we talked about a few episodes ago. Jesus' first sermon, I don't know if you can call it a sermon if it's only a one-liner. Some people say sermons are too long and they would love a one-liner sermon. So let's call it a sermon. Jesus' first sermon, Jesus' first teaching was the kairos, the moment, the occasion has come. The kingdom of heaven is here. What we're talking about there, a kingdom is where the king's will is done. If the king wants it that way, it's gonna be that way. There's the kingdom of heaven, where it's done the way it will be in heaven, where there isn't pain, there isn't suffering, there isn't hurt, where there's love and mercy and justice, and then there's not that kingdom. Let's call that the kingdom of hell, because when people go through severe torment, that's what they say. This is hell. So there's ways that the kingdom of heaven breaks in. There's ways when the kingdom of heaven is close. And according to Jesus, he says, the kairos helps usher that in when we repent. And that's this loaded word. In Greek, it's metanoia. All it means is think different after. Some of you have been raised in a tradition where repent is always used with sin where repent is always and only used with things we do that usher in the kingdom of hell, things we do to break relationships, things we do to hurt ourselves and other people. And of course, if what you're thinking different after is one of those things, of course you're going to feel sorry. Of course you're going to feel bad. Of course you're going to want to make amends. There's other times where repentance doesn't have to do with sin, where it's just thinking different after, where it's taking something that's already going well and going, how do I move this forward? How do I let the kingdom of heaven break even more in? That it's not necessarily sin. At those times, we look back And we still think different after. See, that's the point of look back. How do we learn to think different after? We'll unpack this in a few weeks when we get to look on. And repenting, thinking different after, is only the first part of Mark 115. Jesus goes on to then say, you believe. I don't really like that translation of the word because to me, belief is this mental, this cognitive, this I can get my brain there. Belief in the Greek understanding, at least the word that Jesus used, pistis is what it was. That word meant, I like translating it trust. It's putting that new belief into action. That's the goal of look back. 
We look back so that we can repent and believe. And if those words are too loaded for you, so that we can metanoia and pistis. Go ahead and go old school Greek. What I've learned the more that I do this is I want to offer a little bit of a warning. When you look back, be very, very careful of blaming and shaming. We don't look back so that we can find scapegoats. We don't look back so that we can get mad at people. If we look back and we need to change something relationally, we change it. But so often people can enter into this shame spiral, this shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's not the point of looking back. Ultimately, the point of looking back is so that we can move forward in faith, in trust. Trust is so important. We move forward in trust. Even Steve Jobs said that. He gave a commencement speech at Stanford. And this it's such a good line. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking backward. So you have to trust. That's that pistis trust. That's what we're talking about. We try to connect dots moving forward, but we can't. When we look back, we're connecting dots. Steve Jobs goes on to say, so you've got to trust something. Your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. I don't like the whatever part. I don't even agree with the things he's saying you've got to trust. When we get to gut next week, which the ancients called soul, man, I want to warn you, sometimes it's okay to trust your gut, but man, if you put your faith in your gut, sometimes it's going to steer you wrong. But that's an episode or two from now. What we put our trust in actually matters. Oh, and maybe I need a whole episode on this one. Because it's one of those things that sometimes you say something so often, you forget what it even means. You forget that the word has meaning. I came up in the church and I heard this all the time, that Jesus loves me. Sometimes you can hear that all the time and forget what it means. What does it mean to put your trust in Jesus? This can get really, really confusing because trust and belief so often get conflated in English. Yeah, I've got to do a whole episode on this one, but let me just say this much. I love the word responsibility. I love the word responsibility because it's a compound word. So many people, they take responsibility for things that they shouldn't take responsibility for. Responsibility is literally... It's in the word. It's the ability to respond. We only have the ability to respond if there's something to respond to. When we take responsibility for putting our faith in God, for putting our trust in Jesus, we got to ask the question, do we have the ability to respond? Is faith something we can just stir up in ourselves in the Bible? answers that question. It says, we love God because God first loved us. Ah, that's kind of a good Valentine's Day love thing. We love God because God first loved us. I know that's a lot, and I know some of you listening don't even buy into the concept of God, but what would happen... 
what would happen if if we suspended our disbelief just enough to ask that question if there was a god what would it mean for that god to love us oh that's going to be a fun episode i'll have to do that in a different season because i'm already way long in this one and i wanted to close this back The other thing is, sometimes we look back and we're trying to make sense of something. And this is the point of Steve Jobs' quote. Sometimes we're trying to connect the dots before they connect. Sometimes something will happen now that won't affect you until next week. Sometimes... Something will happen now that won't affect you until next month. And sometimes something happens now and it doesn't affect you for decades. There's a book in the Bible called Ruth. And it's such an interesting book because it should be called Naomi. Naomi is this woman who leaves her homeland. Her husband dies And her sons die all in the town of Bethlehem. One of her daughter-in-laws, a woman from a foreign land, is named... In the book, it's beautiful because Ruth... Man, you want to talk love. Ruth commits to being with Naomi through thick and thin. Ruth, even though her husband has died, sticks with her mother-in-law. And this is at a historical time when women had zero power. This is an incredible story. And in the end of the story, you hear about a man named Boaz and Ruth. They end up getting married, so Boaz takes care of Ruth and Naomi. And it's a beautiful beautiful story and those dots connect in the end but man going through it there's no way to see how those dots are going to connect going through the valley going through the darkness going through the hard time it's so hard to see and so i encourage you if you look down and you're not seeing how it all works back look back and look back even farther farther and farther and farther. See, you don't see the beauty of Ruth until you look to her great, great grandson. Ruth's great, great grandson is King David, the great king of Israel. From King David, you can look back and the story of Ruth takes on a whole new, deeper meaning. That's not looking far enough back. When you get to Jesus, Jesus is born of the lineage. He's a descendant of that King David. That means that Jesus is a descendant of Ruth. Sometimes we don't see the impact we're going to make until generations later. Sometimes it's not us that can look back and see it. And that's why we look back even farther. Look back to all the people in your lineage that impacted you. Look back to how these things have been working out. But for today, a lot of us, we look back so that we can think different after. We look back and we go, how's my heart? How's my soul? How's my strength? How's my mind? And are those things aligning? 
yes, we will always, always have mixed motives. We will always have a shadow self, as Jung calls it. We will always be similustus et peccator, as we say in the Lutheran tradition and the Lutheran tribe, at the same time, saint and sinner. That's why it's so important to remember that we were loved even before we could love. We look back to that point where we were loved by God. That's the point of the cross. And yeah, that needs a whole episode on its own. And if you're hearing this and you want to talk about it, please hit me up on social media. Send me an email. Let's Zoom. I'd love to talk to you more about that. I'd love to walk alongside you as you wrestle through that. And as you do, grace and peace.